Fiscal Phil has delivered his latest budget, and while there were more dad jokes this year than pensions developments, the big news came in the form of a commitment to funnel pension money into patient capital. Patient capital being investment in startups and other long-term opportunities. Philip Hammond has also renewed the government's commitments to introducing a cold calling ban and pledged £5 million towards the pensions dashboards, note plural. My name is Alex Janiel, and with me to digest the budget, I'm joined by James Riley, Council Member of the Society of Pensions Professionals, and Stephen Cameron, Pensions Director at Aegon. James, what did you make of the budget? Well, Alex, given the rumblings before, it was a quiet budget for pensions, which, given the industries of testing the white paper and also the, uh, the GMP equalisation, is probably quite welcome. That said, I guess this is probably a stay of execution, and um, whether it survives the Brexit, I, I, I don't, I don't know. A harsh Brexit, Philip could be looking for some more, more money. I guess, I guess we dodged a bullet here with the thirteen billion he found behind the sofa, and what seemed like a budget with a general wish to um, avoid increasing personal taxes. Stephen, yeah, we were all ready to roll out all our Halloween references, so we were. We were thinking rather than fiscal fill of thriller fill, uh, and I suppose that our key um, reaction was there were no shock horror announcements or any savage cuts to pensions tax relief, so that was certainly welcome. We did know that with Brexit, the government had a very restricted bandwidth for any complex or radical changes, so I would have been extremely surprised by any radical reform of pensions tax relief. But at the same time, uh, there will be some big societal challenges that we face that will be with us long after Brexit. Social care funding is one, and coming up with some kind of default pension savings for the self-employed is the other. And while both of those were referred to in the budget packs, the sooner we get more detail of these, the better. Sure. I mean, perhaps the main headline announcement from this budget was that you know, kind of particularly DC default funds will be reconfigured to unlock greater investment into patient capital. I mean, James, how feasible is patient capital investment from DC funds and perhaps how desirable is it? So, I mean, DC funds and investing in illiquid assets, that's been something that's been discussed for, for, a, for a number of years now. Um, yeah, there, there are practical challenges here, put to one side the, the FCA consultation that's going to come in around the fees, which I know the fee cap's looking to, to address, but also, you know, what you do about daily pricing of a liquid asset, and actually, who has the scale to invest in these things? Now, given where the master trust market has moved, you can't help feeling that some of the big master trusts may well be the, be the people that that actually have the scale to make these investments. In, in terms of how desire, desirable, I think the answer is yes, it probably is desirable. The question comes, how bigger part of a DC member's portfolio is this likely to be? You know, I could see it forming part of the accumulation and potentially some of the decumulation pieces and also being of interest to high earners. But it's it's not going to be a massive part, I, I wouldn't think. And then I guess, you know, Stephen, you, you've, you've got some views about the desirability of, of using DC members' money to, to, to essentially, you know, fund venture capital. Yeah, I mean, certainly I think we need to keep reminding ourselves that the main aim of pension schemes is to provide benefits to its members. Uh, so on the one hand, it was actually nice for a change that the Chancellor sees some benefit in pensions rather than seeing them as a cost, a short-term cost because of pension tax relief. But we need to get the balance right and not force uh, capital investment on, 
on too many individuals. And, you know, we've got 10 million people who've, who've invested uh, in DC pensions recently through automatic enrolment, but the vast majority of them have gone into default funds. And so I think we need to conclude that their appetite for risk is quite limited. So that does put quite a considerable burden on trustees or scheme providers to decide just how appropriate it is to go down this 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 path, certainly in any meaningful way. Uh, your, your point uh, about uh, about the charge cap, that worries me. I really think that this will be a minority investment for only the very largest of schemes, and it would be a real shame if we ended up with some complex exemptions to the charge cap just to facilitate performance fees within this minority type of investment. So that, that does worry me a bit. The government hasn't given up on the pensions dashboard and it looks like a ban on cold calling could well be introduced in the new year. Stephen, what did you make of these announcements? Well, these are both very welcome announcements. We support, we fully support both the cold calling ban and pension dashboards. On cold calling, uh, the problem is we still don't have a date for when this will come into effect and really the sooner the better. And it needs to be accompanied by a dedicated consumer campaign that continues to highlight the risk of scammers because scams will evolve. But at the same time, and this is really important, we mustn't scare people off from seeking advice. When we did some advisor research recently, one of the key threats advisors saw was pension scams. And I think it's because people might be beginning to be scared to seek help anywhere. So we need to avoid that happening. And on the dashboards... The government is really good that the government has, has committed some money, uh, not a lot. Uh, I'm sure the industry will spend a lot more than that because the government does have a key role to play. The industry will lead, but the government needs to do certain things. Uh, and one thing was to make sure that state pensions could appear on the dashboard. Good to see an effective confirmation of that. What's yet to be seen is if the government has any appetite to legislate to make it's compulsory for all pension schemes to provide data. That will be the real deciding point. And I think, you know, I, I would agree with that. The dashboard is only as good as its component parts, and I think the, the key is getting all, all those pensions on the dashboard. Sure, James, I mean, has the chance to drop the ball on anything? Is there anything we might like to have seen included in this year's budget? So like, like Stephen, I think we would have liked to have seen more around, around the self-employed, but at least there, there was acknowledgement that there would be a paper on that. For me, I think perhaps the missing piece was around the net pay anomaly, those in net pay schemes not actually getting their 20% tax relief. And while the personal allowance increasing to 12,500 is clearly welcome news, that actually increases the number of people affect, affected by that. I think the fact we pick up these is sort of indicative of people might like something grand to fix what's broken, but the re reality of it is we'd, we'd much rather the government gave us as much stability as possible on these issues. Yeah, I agree with the net pay point. I think that has to have moved up the priority list now that there will be more people not paying tax but not getting tax relief on pension contributions that they're entitled to. That's all we've got time for. Thank you very much to our guests for joining us and thank you for listening. For more on the budget, please visit pensions-expert.com. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. 
And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.